Um, welcome everyone to another book review. This intro is getting a bit old because I'm reading too many books about Buddhism. And today I have an introduction to Buddhism by the Dalai Lama and translated by Thupten Jimpa, my man Thupten. This book was first published under the title Lighting the Way, and it was actually published in 2005. So even though it has a bit of a rebranding now, it's it actually is part of an older book. Why am I reading this? Well, it's part of my series to understand more about the Buddhist philosophy and take out the core aspects of it, the things that I like for it and that I can find useful for my own life. This book isn't a specially written book and it says right in the start that this was actually more of a presentation he gave to a series, uh, an audience, I believe it was somewhere in a Western country. I have Oxford in my mind, but I'm not sure that's entirely correct. And it's sort of split into three parts. So there's the teaching on the four noble, four noble truths, which is um, those are related to the suffering. Uh, and I get, yeah, we translate it as suffering, could also be called unsatisfactoriness. There's also commentary on the eight verses of training of the mind, uh, of, on training the mind, which is, I guess, one of the seminal Buddhist um, texts or, or verses. And then the de deconstruction of Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. So basically the, the Dalai Lama in this goes over the, the general gist of what Buddhism is in the first part. And then the second two are him expanding on certain concepts that can, it's more easy to, to um, highlight by using some of the previous like old Buddhist texts. I'm not going to say any themes for this book because the theme is pretty obvious it's an introduction to buddhism so i'll i'll go on i suppose some insights that i gained from it um the number one being dependent or origination and the law of causality now this was only a very small part of this book and this book is actually quite small as well it's only about 100 pages and this this part probably only took up one or two pages but it actually fully explained to me something that was really bothering me for a while. So where does consciousness come from? And he has a, a little bit of a question here and then a little answer into the, the three options that he sort of sees as, as where this um, could come from. So once we've traced its continuum to this point of beginning, we then have three options. We can either say that the first instant of consciousness in this life must come from a preceding instant of consciousness, which existed in the previous life. Or we can say that this first instant of consciousness came from nowhere. It sort of just popped up. Or we can say that it came from a material cause. From the Buddhist point of view, the last two alternatives are deeply problematic. Damn, problematic, son. So what he's essentially saying there is that they have this this inherent concept, which is a causality. Everything is caused by one thing leading up to the other. So uh, if you are feeling an emotion now, it was caused by an emotion that you felt previously and that emotion felt previously as well. And it's sort of related, related to material things as well. The tree grew up from the, from the ground because of the nutrients in the soil. The nutrients in the soil were put there by the farmer. The farmer uh, was created by his mother who was, you know, it goes on and on and on. And they then applied this same concept, this, this big grand concept they have of everything uh, has a cause, which if you look into the, you know, sort of science, more sciencey side of it as well, you can get into the laws of thermodynamics and, you know, each, every action has an equal and opposite reaction and sort of things like that, where it's like, oh, okay, it's sort of backed up by science, but then it's applying it to consciousness. And so for me, this finally explained where reincarnation came from, why this 
concept has sort of creeped into not creeped into it i guess it's been in there in buddhism for as as long as buddhism's been around but it was it was really nice for me to understand how they could get this this concept where it actually came from and i can sort of see it now i can sort of see how okay if you firmly believe everything has a cause which i i can get on board with that and then you apply that to this question of where did consciousness come from i can sort of see how oh okay there's, there's got to be previous consciousness of some sort and that is where they get this reincarnation concept from. Now, obviously, it probably ties into some other aspects relating to karma and other central aspects of the Buddhist philosophy. So, it all sort of meshes together and makes sense. But when you're looking from the outside and you just hear the, the reincarnation aspect of it, it can sort of be, you know, a little bit, whoa, I don't, I don't really understand this. How did they get this? So, for me, it also got me thinking about maybe life is about choosing which hill to die on. And so it's it's sort of like this was one of the hills where the Buddhist, was Buddhist philosophy said, okay, we've got this core central concept of causality. Everything has a, a, a cause and that cause is sort of in band. So if you're having talking about material things, it's going to have like a material cause to it. If you're talking about emotions, it's going to have some sort of emotional cause to it. And it goes on and on like that and then applying that to the consciousness sort of made me go, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. But it's it's also, I guess, choosing which a hill to die on in the sense of, yeah, we're going to really apply this in this one central case, whereas maybe you could ask the question of, um, you know, why why do we feel pain? And then you can apply the same causality thing to it and you could get another super central concept that doesn't even exist now because maybe it doesn't make as much sense or whatever. So that was one thing that made me just go, made me appreciate, I guess, why people can have differences of opinions. It can be due to interest. It can be due to seeing things differently, but probably a lot of it is just saying this thing is important to me and I'm going to put most of my emphasis on this. And then this is why if someone else comes against it, I'm going to bite, you know, butt up against them really hard and, you know, potentially lead to, other actions. The other insight, I guess, was the guidelines. And this was a hill to fight on. So it was sort of using uh, the the concepts of the, the, the deconstruction that he did to provide the general guidelines of what Buddhism is. Uh, but then also talked about how, okay, maybe it's not as important as some of these on other concepts, or at least he didn't give that same feeling of saying, you know, this is why reincarnation is so true this is why um, this law of uh, dependent origination and the law of causality is so true so there was sort of a a couple of different things i got from this one was using emptiness to i guess the transcend the extremes of absolutism and nihilism I, i thought that was a interesting concept that i hadn't come across before there was the the talking about how any sense of conceit or self self importance blocks genuine altruism and then that is what will block someone from becoming a a bodhisattva or or reaching nirvana because they have this conceit the self-importance and i guess just the emphasis on the progressive stages of mental and spiritual development because some of the things you can hear from certain sects of buddhism is we all have the inherent ability to switch into nirvana at this very second but but you sort of need well and also that you don't need the training to get to it you just need to have that one 
clarity, that one snap, that one moment of introspection. Whereas he sort of talks about, no, no, there's, there's levels to this. You need to, you know, fully study it first and then you need to practice meditation and then you need to practice meditation in a, a more stricture, strict, structured environment to actually get the full benefits from it. So that was, that was a, a couple of things there that I, that I took out from the book that helped clarify some questions I had been having about Buddhism. My own observations, uh, I greatly respected that he emphasized the potential to need ne- the potential need to let go of beliefs. So right after he talks about how essential reincarnation is to their philosophy and whatnot, the, the next chapter he says, okay, but that being said, if new information comes up that is absolutely undeniable, if whatever it is that that convinces us that as a sort of as a whole, as a general population, we need to be willing to let go of this. And so it sort of felt, it, it was nice to see that, okay, even though he's, I guess, you know, the head of the Buddhist, Buddhist religion, he has an appreciation for needing to, to adapt to the times, to adapt to new inf- information, to adapt to changes, which uh, I think is, is, is a good thing. It's a, that's a useful thing to, to have in life. The other one is that the spoken word converted to text loses its impact. And so, you can see this in the paragraph structure in the book. You can see this probably in, in the certain way that he emphasizes certain words. He's talking to an audience, which is a little bit different, a live audience, which is a little bit different than talking to a, a book audience, like someone reading it. So there is a a loss, a, a conversion that doesn't just translate so greatly. And that's that's why I guess this book was was a little bit disappointing in that uh, you know, I would expect a, and this was happened with that other Buddhist book I read recently as well. Um, uh, what was it? Three steps to awakening or something like that. Um, it, it didn't, it, it was converted from his speeches and then just put in book format, but that, that doesn't just work as, as well as that you need to, you need to put in some time and effort and it, it really shows that it was just a, I'm, I'm not going to say half-assed, but definitely it wasn't created for the sole purpose of someone reading it. So in summary, it's a introductory, but it still felt like I needed a kid's introduction at some point as well, just because some of the concepts, they still just go into certain things and it just lost me. So I got more benefit from the first of the the three sections of the book, his deconstruction of the uh, eight verses on training the mind and lamp for the path to enlightenment. Just, it, it didn't, translate to me so 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 greatly uh it explains some of the core concepts but not in a structured way these were just little snippets that i pulled out and was lucky to pull out as well uh, because it's uh it's easy to tell it's a modified speech and wasn't crafted with precision so i had a little bit of a second go at it. So I read the book and then I sort of skimmed through and just went over certain passages again. And it was in the second reading of it that some things became a little bit clearer. The The second overview really helped. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it could have just been better in general. So I'm giving the book an introduction to Buddhism, a six and a half out of 10. It was okay, but uh, there's, there's better stuff out there. There definitely is. If I had to recommend something at this stage, I would say, why Buddhism is True by Robert Wright is is a, a better book at explaining to someone like me who has a doesn't have a religious background to some of these concepts. 
Well, something pragmatic. I I was thinking about his his willingness to be able to to have a a big switch in in saying that adapting to the time, adapting to new information coming in, and it actually got me thinking that maybe it, the one has a a concept of strong views held lightly, but I actually think maybe something more similar to maybe like a light-hearted view held strongly but with not not a vice grip but just a little bit of wiggle room because that is also necessary as well because there you will come across people who are very sneaky or, or tricky and can have a great way with words that can convince you into separate uh, into stuff that isn't true or who have finely crafted arguments to to prove something but that doesn't particularly apply to you. So I think it is useful to hold on to views, but to leave that wiggle room as well. So that's my interpretation of the book, An Introduction to Buddhism. What do you think of Buddhism? Is it useful? Is what parts of it can you get on board with? What can you, what do you find is, is not useful? Have you been able to split it up into to different categories, sort of like I'm trying to do? All of that is fun stuff. Uh, if you can leave a like, review, all that sort of good stuff, that would also be awesome. Other than that, current out.